0: Good morning, church. Can I hear a good morning from you? (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And uh, I'm going to ask you a small thing to do. And if you don't mind, and uh, would you please uh, tend to persons next to you, sitting next to you, smile at that person and say to him or her, God loves you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Nice response. Thank you so much. I could see a beautiful smile over your faces. Thank you. I want to appreciate our pastor and leadership team for giving me this opportunity. And uh, last uh, more than a year, I am here in this church, and I receive such a warm welcome and support from each one of you. Thank you so much for your love and support. I'm going to preach from Romans chapter uh, 12, verse number 1 to 8. And before I get into preaching, and uh, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we look to you, Lord Father. We know you are our Father and you, are, you would like to speak to us. We ask you, Lord Father, open our ears to listen to your voice, Lord Father. Let Spirit of God take control of each one of us, Lord Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and title of my message this morning is you have a ministry you have a ministry being in a pastor i had a privilege of uh, seeing many lives uh, very closely when i did my second church plant we didn't have a sanctuary like this and uh, we used to hire a school auditorium and conduct our sunday morning service there that means we had to transport all our sound system, music system, to this auditorium on Sunday morning and set it up before people come. Initially, we didn't have many people, but there was an young boy and who was an engineer by profession. He used to come and help us in arranging, setting up everything. And he used to work every Saturday night. And he used to work till Sunday morning around 6 o'clock then he would not go back to his home and straight he will come to our church and he would help us in setting up our sound system and music system and everything. And he was an excellent worship leader and a musician and he would involve in worship team, ministering to people and then after the worship he would pack everything and help us to transport our sound system back to our Godown. I can tell you a number of such stories of people who love God, who serve God so passionately. One thing I found in many of such people who sacrificially serve is heart for their conviction for a ministry. Some of them are absolutely convinced that they have a call to serve the Lord. They are convinced that they have a gift from the Lord to serve God. That's why they sacrificially serve the Lord. And... uh, I believe that serving God is not an option for a Christian. All of us are called to serve the Lord. In 1 Peter, it says that you, know, you are a priest of God. We have a royal priesthood. So we all have a ministry. Sometimes there is a misconception that only pastors, evangelists, apostles would have a ministry. It's not, it's not right. All of us, all the followers of Jesus Christ, have a ministry. And I believe that all of us have at least three ministries. Three ministries. First of all, we all have a ministry to God. That's worship. We are created to worship God. So we have a ministry to God. And then we have a ministry to co-believers, that means we have to use God-given talents, gift, and minister to people in our church or in our community so that we can build up others, encourage others, and grow together. And thirdly, we have a ministry to people outside the church. That means every disciple of Jesus Christ is commissioned and sent out to the world with gospel, the good news, and we need to go and preach the gospel to others. So, we all have these three ministries. Now, I would invite you attention to Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 to 8, and from this passage, I would like to speak about the first two ministries that we have. We all have a ministry to God, and we have a ministry to others. Let me read first two verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. From these two verses, I want to speak about your ministry to God, especially please look at this phrase mentioned there, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And Paul says such kind of presentation is a spiritual worship. So presenting our body as a sacrifice is a spiritual act of worship. And when we talk about worship, many times we equate worship with songs, singing, music, or 30 minutes or 45 minutes uh, of worship section, which is part of our Sunday morning service. Nothing wrong in that all those are part of um, uh, worship. But Paul speaks about another aspect of worship in this place. What is that? Presenting your bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord is a way of worship to the Lord. And we live in this modern world where we hear a lot of body slogans, like strong body, strong mind, my body, my choice, love your body, my body is not your business, my body, my role. And, but in the in, in Bible, we get a Christian perspective about a body. I'm not going to get into the details, but I want to touch maybe some of the foundations from Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6 before I start speaking about offering your bodies as a sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul speaks about at least four things about body. And I'm not going to explain, but let me just mention. First of all, he says that our body is for the Lord. And then he says our body will have a resurrection. That means in God's redemption plan, God has a plan for our body. At, At the parousia, the coming of Jesus Christ, we will have a resurrection body. And then thirdly, Paul says in that passage... Your body is a temple of God. And we need to know as a temple of God, God's presence indwelling in us. His Holy Spirit is indwelling in us. And we are carrying God's presence everywhere. We are a living tabernacle. And fourthly, in that passage, Paul says, glorify God. In your body. Now let's come to Romans chapter 12 verse number one. Here it says, present your body as a living sacrifice. And we know in the Old Testament we had animal sacrifices. Paul uses here the sacrificial sacrifice metaphor, the language of sacrifice in this passage. But there is a big difference between Old Testament sacrifice and the living sacrifice mentioned here. In the Old Testament, and the person who is offering the sacrifice would bring an animal, and the animal was offered on the altar as a sacrifice to the Lord. But in this living sacrifice, we don't bring an animal to offer a sacrifice. Rather, we offer ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord. And I heard come across an illustration or story um, a, a story, uh, there was a young girl in a church. And who learned that she has to give herself to God uh, uh, herself to God. So what she did, once uh, one Sunday service, the offering plate come to her, and she stood on the offering plate and said, I am giving myself to God. And uh, we need that kind of attitude, giving at total, giving, uh, surrendering our life, giving our life completely to God. And Paul used the sac- metaphor of sacrifice here to indicate that, to say that we need to completely dedicate our life to Jesus Christ. We we need to surrender our life to Jesus Christ. And how can we do it practically? How can we practically you know, offer our, our body as a sacrifice to the Lord? And we know our body is a vehicle of our actions and behavior. And we can offer ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord when we obey Jesus Christ through the way we speak, the way we act, the way we respond to people, the way we maintain our relationship, when we obey Jesus Christ practically through our behavior, through actions, we are going to be um, a living sacrifice to the Lord. And when you are are offering, when you are obeying Jesus Christ in your life, you are going to be a living sacrifice. When you are having um, a Christ-honoring life, You are going to be a living sacrifice. And we know that's not easy. We need to battle sometimes with the passions and desires of our flesh. That's why Galatians chapter 5, verse number 24, Paul says like this, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. We need to consistently crucify the sinful passions and desires that battle with our body so that we can surrender and dedicate our life consistently to God, to obey his word and to please him through our life. And um, Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. We should not allow sin to reign in us. To take control of our body. And rather, Paul says here, do not present your members to sin. Rather, present your yourself to God. On daily basis, we need to present our body to God. For what? Paul says here, present your bodies for righteousness, to obey Jesus Christ. And such kind of life will lead into sanctification. Dear church, if you want to be a sacrifice to the Lord before, uh, uh, before the Lord on daily basis, then we need to present our life for righteousness and obedience and jesus himself said in gospel deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me and we need to die to ourselves on daily basis so that we can please our god and if you want to be a really a living sacrifice to the lord and then you need to be a, you need to have a daily dying to our, our sins or temptations or disobedience there are three adjectives that paul used for this sacrifice here one is living sacrifice so this is not a death sacrifice this is a living sacrifice that means you know every day we need to dedicate our life to the lord every day every second we need to surrender our life to the lord as a sacrifice so as a pleasing life before the lord and then paul says it's a holy sacrifice holy means something set apart for the lord every day we need to set apart our life for the purposes of God, to serve him, to please him, for serving his, fulfilling his purposes in our life. And thirdly, Paul says, uh, this is a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Every day we should make sure that our actions are, the way we speak, the way we respond, the way we relate with people are pleasing to the Lord. So our life should be a pleasing pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. Now Paul says, "You know, present your bodies as a sacrifice. That simply means when you surrender your life, when you obey Jesus Christ, your life is going to be a worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. That means a dedicated, completely set apart, pleasing life to the Lord is going to be a worship before the Lord. That means a life itself should be a worship to the Lord. And um, Paul speaks about a, a worship worship of a liturgy of our life. This is a worship, uh, worship, this this worship is a liturgy of a righteous life. This worship is a liturgy of obedience, obeying Jesus Christ through our life. And um, this worship is not offered in the sanctuary. This worship is not offered in a temple, rather this worship of a liturgy of life is offered in our houses, in our office spaces, in our neighborhood, among our friends, The moment you live out a righteous Christian life that is honoring Christ, that is obeying Christ, you are going to be a worship in your home, in your workplace, and wherever you go. We don't need a music team for offering a life as a worship. We don't need to sing for it. Just obey Jesus Christ. Present your bodies for Christ and please Him through your life and then your life is going to be a sacrifice, a worship to the Lord. As a priest of God, and you know, we worship God not only with music but also with our life an obedient you know, life and a Christ honoring life. And I want to encourage you, dear church, and make sure that your life is a worship to the Lord. And then Paul says uh, in verse number two that you do not be conformed to this world. And to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, Paul says, Two things in this verse. First is, uh, do not be conformed to this world. And then he says that, and be transformed by renewing your mind. And I like this NLT translation of the first phrase, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. If you want to be a... Pleasing sacrifice before the Lord, and then we should not be conformed to this world. The values, ungodly value systems of this world. Sometimes we have this tendency and temptation to become like someone in the world. But, you know, Paul says, do not be conformed to the value system the, of this world. And... Um, Um, So if you want to be pleasing sacrifice, we need to consistently resist the world, resist the temptations of this ungodly value systems of this world and culture. And then Paul says, you also, instead of conforming to this world, and we are expected to be transformed. And how can we be transformed? And um, in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse number eighteen says, "And we've all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image." from one degree of glory to another. And all of us, all Christians are expected to be transformed into Christ-likeness in character, in attitude, in mind, in thinking, in everything. And we we are expected to be transformed like Jesus Christ. That transformation comes to us by renewing our mind, renewing our mind and um, we all know mind and body are integr- integrally connected. Before we do something, we think in our mind, and then we plan, and then we do it. And sometimes we know our mind can be a really a battlefield. I heard this funny story, and... Um, there was a boy in a classroom, In a teacher was teaching, and, but this boy was not ready to sit. He was con- continually, continuously standing. And then teacher asked, please sit down, but this boy is not sitting. And then teacher insisted, please sit down. Finally, this boy sat down, but he said, I am standing in my mind. And sometimes we know how difficult to battle with temptations and anger and and um, unforgiveness in our mind. And uh, that's why we all need continuous renewal of our mind. How can we renew our mind? And Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 33 says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Dear church, one of the ways to transform, renew our mind is to read God's word. When we read God's word, it's, it is going to speak to us. It is going to lead us into repentance. And that's the way um, we are going to change. We are going to renew our mind. When, our, when we renew our mind, we are going to get few benefits. And the first benefit, definitely transformation. We are going to be transformed into image and likeness of God uh, on daily basis. And secondly, um, we are going to have God's perspective in our mind. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that you have a mind of Christ in which you can receive God's perspective, God's thinking, God's uh, no, uh, 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 God's way of thinking. So I want to encourage you, if you want to look into things in your life from a God's perspective, continuously renew your mind by reading the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can get God's perspective about everything in your personal life. And third benefit of renewing our mind, Paul says here in this passage, that you will be able to discern the will of God. This is the biggest question sometimes people ask to all the pastors, how do I know the will of God? Renew your mind, and you will be able to uh, discern God's will for your personal life. And uh, so, to offer ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord, as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord, and we should resist The world, we should not be conformed to the world and also we should continuously transform our life into Christ-likeness by, you know, renewing our mind. And when we do that, and we are going to be a sacrifice to the Lord, our life going to be a worship to the Lord. And let me just move forward to the second point, you have a ministry to call believers. Let's read from um, uh, verses three onwards. And 3 to 8, you will see Paul is speaking about our ministry to our core believers. I like the, the way you know Paul arranged this passage. First, he spoke about um, our relationship with God and I believe that that's a that's a prerequisite for you know, ministering to others. Before we minister to others, we need a relationship with God. Being in ministry, I personally have a conviction that you know, my ministry to others should flow flow out from our personal relationship with God. If I don't have a personal relationship with God, then I cannot minister to others. That's, that's my conviction. And Paul arranged this passage in such a way that First, you maintain you know, a Christ-honoring, and you know, a Christ-pleasing life, and then you minister to others. And a surrendered life, a dedicated life, a renewed mind, a transformed life—life—all these are prerequisites for you know, ministering, <coughs> ministering to others. And um, uh, Paul starts with a small advice. Uh, advice in chapter, uh, uh, verse number three, he says that have sober thinking about oneself. So before he speak about ministry, before he speak about gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he says that have a sober thinking about yourself. Let me read that verse for you. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone, among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So um, overestimation and underestimation about ourselves can be a problem. When we are overestimating about ourselves, pride can come. Come and um, disunity can we can cause disunity in the church. But underestimating ourselves also can be a problem. When you underestimate yourself, you may not have a confidence to minister to others or use the gifts of the Holy Spirit and minister to others. A transformed mind, a renewed mind, is a sober mind, and it will enable us to judge properly I and mean, appropriately. Uh, uh, appropriately. And then moving forward, Paul says, Paul is using now in verses 4 and 5 a body metaphor, a metaphor of body, to talk about unity in the church, uh, unity and diversity in the church. Uh, Let me read these two verses for you from NLT. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So three things I want to mention uh, from this body metaphor to you. And we can find out three important aspects of unity and diversity in the church from body metaphor. Paul is not only using body metaphor in this place. In First Corinthians, Paul used uh, body metaphor for church. And even Ephesians he used. So he compares church with the human body. And three things I want to say. This body metaphor indicates, shows oneness in the church, unity in the church. And um, I have, uh, in my body, I have uh, different body parts. I have hands, I have legs, and I have um, eyes, and all these body parts I have, but I have only one body. The same way, Paul says we have different members in the church, but we all are We all are one in Christ. And Jesus himself prayed for unity of church, unity of his disciples in Gospel of John. And in Acts chapter 4, verse number 32, you would see um, the first church had a tremendous unity. It says that they were one in the heart and soul. We need that oneness inside the church. And um, in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 28, it says like this, there is neither Jew nor Greek There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you all are one in Jesus Christ. And we should not have any kind of you know, disunity based on nationality, based on race, based on ethnicity in the church. We should not have any kind of disunity in the church based on social status. That's why slave and free man, uh, uh, social status or even economic status inside the church. And third, finally, Paul says in this passage, we should not have any disunity inside the church based on gender. And he says, We all are, you know, we all are one in Christ. And when, when we are born again, we become one family. We have one father. We are brothers and sisters. We are one in Jesus Christ. So this body metaphor shows oneness inside the church. And secondly, this body metaphor shows diversity in our various functions, diversity in giftings. And um, I have different body parts, like I said. I have hand, and the hand has a different function. I have eye, and eye has a different function in my body. And each organ in my body has a different function. The similar way, each one of us in the church has a different function. Simply meaning each one of us is equipped by the Holy Spirit with different graces so that we we have diversity of giftings in the church, and God blessed us with the different gifts, different talents to bless others, to encourage others, to motivate others. So there is a diversity of um um gift gifts of the Holy Spirit inside the church. This is the reason I said you have a ministry to call believers, and as I said, each part has a function. You know, you all have a ministry to call believers. Some of you may not be able to come. F- to the pulpit and preach, but you can go to your small group and minister to people, or you can give a call and just encourage somebody. There are hundreds and uh, there are many ways you can minister to others, dear church. So, there is diversity of uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit inside the church. There is different functioning, different gifts, different grace that God has given to each one of us. And finally, this metaphor of body shows interdependency in the church, interdependency in the church. If I want to take this mobile from this place, then my hand, my eye, and my um, a nervous system need to coordinate and in that coordination only i will be able to you know take this mobile from here Dear church you know my uh, uh, from this example i can tell you how my body parts are you know interdependent to do some action the same way in the church we all are interdependent somebody may minister to us from prophecy we may not be able to prophesy like them or somebody may able to encourage us somebody may be gifted with prayer somebody may be gifted with a leading worship, and we need to use these different giftings and encourage one another this is the reason in new testament you will see many times you know one another commandment that means love one another pray for one another encourage one another build up one another we all have a ministry that we need to use and encourage encourage and minister to others that simply means we need one another one another to, to grow spiritually. We need encouragement, ministry from one another. There is an interdependency between the ch- believers in the church. And um, I strongly believe that Christian life is not something that we need to celebrate in isolation. Rather, Christian life is something that we need to celebrate in a community, in the family of God, in the, in the church. And when we do that, we are going to grow in Jesus Christ. And we ha- I have four more minutes, and I'm not going to cover um, verse number six to eight, but you will see a long list of g- different gifts of the Holy Spirit there. And, um, and he mentioned about uh, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, encouraging, uh, contributing generously, um, leading <coughs> and Acts of Mercy. And you will see another two lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians and also another list of gifts of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. And um, But I want to pick up maybe the first one, the prophecy, because that is something that I engage a lot. And uh, I offered, you know, prophetical courses and I led my church uh, from, uh, to, a, to a realm of prophecy and pro- exercising this uh, prophetical gift in an unusual level. So I have a lot of experience in that area. And I, I want to share maybe a few testimonies this mo- morning to encourage you. And this book I'm carrying for last maybe 21 years. I have prophecies coming from um, 2022, but I think even 1999 prophecies also, I, uh, I wrote down this. And um, there was a season in my life, any prophet, any minister of God come to my local church, they would come to me and lay their hands and say that, you are set apart for a ministry. You are called for a ministry. And I think nearly 25 people and came and prophesied the same prophecy over me. Today, I am a minister of God. And nearly 20 years ago, I know many, pro- uh, many times I got this prophecy that I will go to foreign places, foreign countries and preach God's word. Here I am today, preaching God's word. If you think that <laughs> prophecy is not true, it's not correct, it would happen. In, in my own personal life, I can say wonderful testimonies of prophetical ministry. I want to encourage you, Pursue God's gift, and I told you I'm not going to talk in detail about those gifts mentioned there. But I want to share two things about gifts of the Holy Spirit. First thing, I want to encourage all of you to have a desire for gifts of the Holy Spirit. And First um, uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse number one, it says like like this, earnestly desire spiritual gift. We all should have this passion, this desire to have gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why I said that, we want to see God is moving through our life. We want to see revival happening. We want to see tangible work of the Lord in our lives and also through our church. That's why I would encourage you earnestly desire God's gift. When you have a desire, He will pour out God's gift over you. And uh, our God is a God who will fill fulfill our, our all desires. And second thing I want to say from second Timothy chapter one verse number six, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. This is the second thing I want to encourage all of you with respect to gifting. Some of you may have a gift to the Holy Spirit. You may able to intercede or you may able to minister to people in different ways. But if you're not using... If you're not using, your flames are coming down, then take this encouragement. Fan into flame the gift of God. When you use firewood at one point of time, the flame may come down. What we do, we blow air to this firewood so that flame will come again. And the same way, this is a time probably some of you need to stir up your giftings and, uh, and use the God-given giftings and talents for God's glory and see supernatural work of God in your life and in your church in our church. Finally, as I conclude, I want to remind you, you have a ministry. You have a ministry to God and you have a ministry to people. uh, You have a ministry to your core believers and you have a ministry to people outside. And as I encourage you to involve in God-given ministry, I want to maybe share maybe few values that we need to keep in our mind from the parable of talents. In parable of talents, you will see, you know, people who use different talents, different giftings, they multiply those talents. The same way I would encourage you, use your talent so that you will grow in your gifting. Use your gifting, you will grow and, uh, and become more blessing to people. The second thing I want to say, when you use your gifting, maintain unity. And I have seen being as a pastor and um, I have seen sometimes people get revived with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden they will think their pastor has no gift. And this church has no grace. There is no charisma in the church. And that's why I want to say, when you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or you have a special experience of supernatural encounters, first of all, you need to understand that you need to maintain the unity with the conviction that there is diversity in the church. Everyone has a different gifting there is no uniformity in terms of gifting in the church. Rather, we all have a different gifting. So maintain, we all have an absolute responsibility to maintain unity inside the church. And then uh, at the end of the value, I would say be teachable be teachable make sure that you're learning about your gifting you're equipping yourself with uh, yourself yeah so that you know you will use your gifting efficiently and also be open for feedback Feedback. That's that's part of teach teachability. When you are teachable, you are open for feedback and correction. Another value that I would suggest to all of to all of you: be faithful. Be faithful to God. In be faithful to use your gift before the Lord, and also be faithful to local leadership. And finally, be accountable to God for your gifting, and also be accountable for your gifting in your local your church or local leadership. And finally, I would say. We have this one life, one big opportunity in our life to make treasures in heaven. And I want to encourage you, involve in ministry and use this one big opportunity called life and make treasures in heaven. Would you please pray with me for a a minute? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I request you... If God spoke to you or God's word touched your heart, would you take little time to respond to God's word? I'm giving a few seconds of silence. I would request you respond to God's word. Is your life a worship to God? Are you conformed to the world or are you transformed to Christ-likeness? If you're convinced about your ministry, take a decision that you will use God-given giftings and be a blessing to others. Father, we just come before you, Lord Father. We surrender our lives to you, Lord Father. We ask you, enable us to live a pleasing life before you, Lord. A Christ-honoring, Christ-obeying life before you, Lord. We also ask you, Lord, pour out different giftings upon us, Lord. So that we may be a blessing to our co believers, Lord. Thank you, Lord Father, for ministering to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.
1: All right, so we covered, uh, uh I was, it's like two weeks in a row. I, I scheduled people with pretty Thick passages of scripture with lots of stuff. Thank you. Thank you for doing that, Sam. Uh, As always, uh, you can text in questions. um, And uh, we already have one coming in. Also, in the room, um, feel free to raise your hand. Anything Sam just talked about. Or also, we open it up to just things we've been talking about as part of this series. Uh, So, let's see. Um, What does a life, what does living a life of worship look like? Practical examples, please. Oh, that's, okay. What does living a life of worship look like? Practical examples.
0: Yeah, maybe I would say you have a conflict in your office. How do you respond? If you would like to keep the godly values, the fruits of the Holy Spirit in that conflict intense situation, that could be a life of worship
1: yeah that's a good example in the sense of uh what is it when when uh when stresses come when temptation comes when hard times come uh giving in to your uh, what the bible call your flesh your nature and responding the way that you want to but realize isn't really in line with God's heart or the other option is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, um in the room, did I see a hand? That means you were really clear. No question. Okay. Oh, right here. Pretty pearl.
2: Um, Hi, Sam. Hi, uh, Charlie. So I heard you mention a lot that um, you did a lot of prophetic training and teaching. Do you think you'd be open to have us as your students at some point?
1: You know,
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so as long as I am here in the church with pastor... Without pastor's permission, I will not involve any kind of ministry. So I would um, ask, you know, all of, anyone who's interested in that kind of uh, training from me to contact pastor, and if, would he, if he would allow and time permits, and God leads us, definitely I can.
1: Yeah, uh, talking with you is definitely you've had more experience uh, in in. Prophetic ministry than I have, and just the stories that I've heard from what God has done in India. Um, uh, you uh, had said to me that you you could pray over our congregation and, and sense if God's given you a word. I'm to invite you to do that if it's something you want to do. Um, I don't know if it works that way, <laughs> you know. Normally. Uh,
0: yeah, I I don't know how many of you expose uh, much with the prophetical ministry. I'm not directly responding to what Pastor was saying, but um, uh, a small experience I would share. So our church was very, very reluctant to move to gifts of the Holy Spirit when I began uh, uh, the church, and uh, it was very conservative in terms of uh, opening themselves for. Uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then it took two years for me to just uh, move the church from that place to exercising gifts of the Holy Spirit. So when we had this uh, movement, we had this training program, preaching, and at the end, the church came to a position where after the service, after the worship service, we would allow people to prophesy. It is risky. It is really risky, but, you know, if you have enough training, and uh, if you have enough understanding between people and uh, the leadership team, and definitely you would see mighty things happening. We, we, we used to witness you know, really good, encouraging prophetical words coming up from people spontaneously. And I also believe that there should be a room of spontaneity and, uh, and a kind of waiting before the Lord uh, to see this kind of you know, powerful uh, operations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Among us, it's uh, just a kind of a, a memory from memory, or just a summary from uh, my ministry back in India.
1: Okay, Is it... was there a hand in the room? Oh, yes, over here. good morning. I'm interested to know how uh, people who come from, uh, Christians who come from other cultures, I'm interested to know what they see in our culture and things that make it difficult in our culture here to serve the Lord. I don't is that clear?
0: Okay, and uh, see, uh, I can speak about um, Indian culture. Indian culture is open for experiential dimension. Whether you are a Hindu or a Muslim or a uh, Christian, we have that uh, openness for more experience, experience, experiential dimension. And of course, uh, people are rational, but still they are open for experiential dimension. But when I came to Montreal, I went around uh, different churches and... um, I found that experiential dimension is missing. I'm not criticizing, it's, it's my little experience. Uh, I felt that that experiential openness is missing, and um, I don't know, I don't want to actually speak <laughs> anything negative about this culture, definitely, but uh, Indian culture, there is a more openness for experience. And, and also, <laughs> in my university sitting I I witnessed People criticizing everything. And uh, so sometimes I see uh, the rationality becomes so negative where we are not ready to acknowledge or open for certain dimensions of spiritual life. That's what I witness even in a university setting. Uh, These are maybe two reflections that I can say now.
1: I'm really curious. Uh, So the first thing you said... um uh, spiritual experience. Yeah. It said there, compared to your ministry and what you saw in India, it seems like the church is here, there's not as much, um, would you say not as much hunger for, not as much faith anticipation for? So definitely, I don't want to say anything negative don't.
0: about uh, the church. That's very clear. <laughs> um. and, uh, but I would say, uh, I, I could not see that kind of, see, if you come to India, you will see people Seeking experience. See, there should be a balance. I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that we should go after experience, throwing out doctrinal convictions or word of God. Sometimes people do experience, experience, gives to the Holy Spirit. They just run after it and they won't volume the word of God. And uh, in our kind of churches, we maintain a balance between the doctrinal aspect and as well as the experiential dimension. So in India, I could witness young people, even families, they search for experience, they search for um, that encounter with the Lord. I could see that passion, that hunger in people uh, to experience God more. And even when I was young or even throughout my ministry, Uh, especially the time, the season that I came to the Lord, I used to take fasting for many days to experience God. It worked. And uh, many times I I had very tremendous personal encounter with the Lord during fasting time. Many times I was filled with Holy Spirit in unusual level in fasting prayers. So when we seek God, when we have a hunger for the Lord, uh, the experience usually happens. That's what I can testify from my background.
1: Sam, I I, I love that you shared that, where you talked about a, a desire to experience God and how that was something you experienced in India. And I, I would actually agree. I I feel like there is not a, a in our my experience as a Christian here in American Canada in the West is there's not a huge focus. Um, there's often not a huge focus on experiencing God. And, but I, I also like that you talked about how there is a um, chasing after experience cannot happen uh, without also listening to God's word. And you gave a sermon here of walking through God's word very, very clearly. If you want to learn the Bible, I mean, that was clearly your heart. And I've just thought for a long time that if we can combine these two things, a real desire to hear what God has said in his word with this hunger to experience the living God as his word tells us, you said it today, earnestly desire the higher gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's something God wants us to want. I don't think he would want us to want it if he was just going to say, no, <laughs> I told you to want it, but I'm going to say no. I really think what he has said here is I am here ready to meet you. I'm here ready to be found. Um, look for me. That's, uh, yeah. Um, I'm getting a bunch of stuff in the text line. Did I see another hand though? Frederick, is that Frederica? I can't see. Yeah. Oh, look at the time. I'm sorry for the bunch of text messages that I just said we had because we're it's Thank we're. Uh, you.
2: Thank you for uh, what you shared this morning. Um, I don't know if I have a question or just a comment. My sense is that um, the knowledge is among us, and sometimes we need the people who know better to um, intentionally guide us into the path that is, you know, being proposed, right? So I'm sort of imagining that we're all sitting here and we all want the gifts of the Spirit and we're, like, we're all ready to go. and. Maybe like Timothy, we just all need to like line up, and then for you know your leadership team and your prayer team to lay hands, and for y'all to pray, and then we're good to go. <laughs> so I'm just sort of wondering if, um, just the practical aspect, if if it's just you know presenting an opportunity to receive, or um, Giving us a chance to express, you know, having a desire, you know, to learn more, um, and, you know, I've been here for a bit, and, you know, the prayer team is always available. People are um, are keen to serve. They're they're keen to share. They're keen to support, which you know I really appreciate. I think it's it's great to be able to be in a community where. Mature Christians make themselves available um, to contribute. And, yeah, I don't know if it's just creating, you know, an opportunity for, for us to receive um, the, you know, whatever you're all talking about.
1: <laughs> well... As we've been talking about experiencing the Holy Spirit, the reason why um, I wanted to do this series was to create a hunger in us for what you're saying, a hunger to actually experience. To see in the scriptures that the scriptures tell us God is to be experienced. We have, I've shared stories of experiencing God. Sam has done that before here. Uh, To create a hunger to experience God, because that's what he says to do, how to do it. Now, on one hand, I don't want to, I don't want to give the impression that the experience of God is something that I can, um, I can give you a six-step like a mechanicalized, like if you do this step one, two, three, that is how you will experience God. I can give you principles, but I cannot give you that manufactured um, mechanics. If that makes sense, sometimes in the book of Acts, where we see the book of Acts is sometimes called the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit being God, being a, a person who can think and feel, he has a mind of his own in the sense that he doesn't always fall on people in the same ways according to the same formula. Sometimes, often, it's during the laying on of hands. Sometimes people experience the power of the Holy Spirit just while listening to a message. Sometimes it's upon coming up out of the waters of baptism. The Holy Spirit falls on people with power, because I think that's what you're talking about, an experience of power where God is truly here. He does that when he wants. With that being said, there does seem to be certain things, like I mentioned, the laying on of hands in prayer, that seems to be a mechanism that the Holy Spirit often works through. And in my own life, some of the stories of prophecy that I have experienced and shared, like two weeks ago, I shared experiences where I felt like God gave words to me. It was in the middle of praying, not before I started praying, in the middle of praying, and times when I've been blessed by people speaking words that later showed themselves to be prophecy That was during the laying on of hands in prayer. That is a common mechanism. Now, it is true. We invite our prayer team up, and sometimes I will be up here, and and I will today, um, to pray for you, to lay hands on you and pray for you. And if I could just share a little little, uh, bit of desire. I don't understand why on Sundays. Sometimes, like, now the prayer team, I would like you guys to be here during the worship. I don't know why I don't see every person with, like, lines. Like, I don't know. I, if I could just be honestly, I don't know why so many of you stay in the pews during prayer time. Especially when we talk about how the Spirit works during the laying on of hands. Um, if I could just share that. I, I, I guess I do know sometimes it's awkward or scary or you just feel... I don't know what you feel, but if there's a a way, if if my thinking is, you know what, I want to experience God. And there's a chance that going up and having someone lay hands on me and pray for me is going to do it. Even if it's awkward, even if it might not happen, I want to give that a shot, right? (laughs) That's just how I think. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I would like us to have more hunger and more anticipation in believing that this is God is to be experienced for those who want to experience Him. So, actually, what I want to do is invite members of the prayer team and um, any of the elders who are here. If I could actually encourage you to come up during the worship, if you'd be willing um, to just lay hands on, and pray for anyone who would desire. So we're way past our time. I actually do want to read one thing that came through the text line, Sam. Please say thank you uh, to Samuel for this beautiful message and reminder that we're all able to serve God in our everyday work and tasks. Thank you, Sam.